0: This holiday season, remember the families who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. Don't risk losing your loved ones. Stay vigilant. Make smart choices. Avoid indoor gatherings and wear a mask. Spread hope, not COVID. For tips, visit michigan.gov slash holiday
1: 2020.
0: A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
3: our nation's capital. It's Deadline D.C. with
1: Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. Uh, I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political analyst for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WDGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, Polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me with your comments is uh, at Twitter, and my handle is Brad Bannon. Uh, Welcome to all of you uh, watching us on Periscope uh, TV um, or on Twitter. Uh, Now everyone can watch the show by going to periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can also watch Deadline DC on Facebook by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash BB Facebook Live. Today on Deadline DC, we're only one day before the momentous 2020 election, so we're going to discuss presidential politics. Sarah Jones, editor-in-chief of Politicus uh, USA, joins us in the first half hour. In the second half hour, we'll talk about the uh, economics of the 2020 campaign with Dr. Robert Shapiro. Our first guest today is Sarah Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Politicus USA. Her analysis has been featured on several national radio, television, and print outlets, including Statewide with David Schuster, as well as The Washington Post, Atlantic Wire, CNN, MSNBC, The Week, The Hollywood Reporter, and all. Sarah comes to us uh from a background in TV and film, where she was a two-time Telly Award winner and now hosts Politicus News and co-hosts Politicus Radio. She is a member of the White House press pool and has covered Nancy Pelosi, then President Barack Obama, 2016 presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Uh, the vice pre- vice pre- then vice president Joe Biden, Senator Elizabeth Warren, First Lady Michelle Obama, and former President Bill Clinton. The website for Politicus uh, USA is PoliticusUSA.com, and their Twitter handle is PoliticusUSA, uh, and that's P-O-L-I-T-I-C-U-S, uh, USA. Uh, Sarah's handle is at politicus. Uh, Sarah. Sarah, welcome to Deadline DC. Thanks have, for joining us today.
3: Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for having me on. I have been reading you for several years. So. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it. I mean, you're That's a wealth good. of knowledge. So
1: yeah, I write every week for the Hill, usually on Mondays, but uh, this week it's going to be on Thursday, so I can write about the uh, what happened Tuesday night. Uh, let's start with that. Uh, it looks to me that um, I think Joe Biden will win all 232 of the electoral votes that Hillary Clinton won in 2016. Uh, I think that uh, Biden is also good shape in the upper Midwest, uh, in Michigan, in Wisconsin. Now, if he wins uh, all those Clinton votes from 2016 and wins Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, uh, that will give Joe Biden uh, 278 electoral votes, uh, which is the uh, course uh, eight more than the magic number he needs to become president. So let's start with Pennsylvania. Uh, I feel pretty confident about Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, Jill Biden has been living and campaigning in Pennsylvania in the last couple of days. I guess Kamala Harris is going to be there today and tomorrow, too. So uh, what does uh, Biden's situation look like in Pennsylvania? Because the Keystone State could be the key to the outcome of the 2020 election
3: you know i actually think it looks really good here for him if everyone turns in their ballots as of yesterday there were 700,000 ballots outstanding mm-hmm. um but here's the deal you know remember that trump only won pennsylvania by 44,292 votes in 2016 uh less than 1 percentage point so he can't afford to lose any of the voters that he had and he can't afford for Democrats to turn out, which they really did not do in 2016. As of Sunday, um, in Pennsylvania, registered Democrats have a 1,159,135 ballot request lead over registered Republicans. Now, we expect Republicans to show up on the day to vote, obviously. But, um, but more than half of the early votes in states like pennsylvania georgia north carolina have been women and women are breaking for biden and the other thing that's really interesting that we don't hear talked about in the mainstream media because when they focus on pennsylvania they tend to focus on philly um pittsburgh erie you know these these counties and what's interesting here is that we've been looking at all the data since we live here and we're in western pennsylvania and if Joe Biden, all he needs to do is turn out and protect the vote, and get just you know, cut into a little bit of Trump's uh, support here. He doesn't have to win these counties, but just cut into it. And so you would see the same amount as say Obama twenty twelve, which wasn't even as large as it was in two thousand and eight. And on the ground here, what's strange is I noticed started noticing this in the summer a lot more Biden signs than than ever were uh, Clinton signs in very rural, sort of red areas of Pennsylvania. So Democrats are fired up, and I think that's a really good sign that they're going to turn out for him. Um, What I do want to warn everybody about, just in terms of when, if it comes down to Pennsylvania, there are some ways that it doesn't, but say it comes down to Pennsylvania, people should be expecting what's called the blue shift. So don't panic, because... The immediate votes, the Republican legislature here has mandated that we don't count mail-in ballots until Election Day. So what you're going to see on Election Day is all of these counts of the Republicans who turn out to vote on Election Day. Um, And then the blue shift will come later as these mail-in ballots are counted. So I think there's going to be an attempt by Trump, certainly, to claim Pennsylvania when that happens. And I just want to ease everyone's mind, you know, wait for the blue shift. It will come. I'm not promising he's going to win Pennsylvania. But, you know, there are a lot of votes out there for him here. So they won't be evident in the beginning.
1: Well, that raises an interesting question. Uh, Apparently, Donald Trump uh, is going to... uh, if he's in the ballpark announced victory before all the votes in Pennsylvania and many other States accounted. Uh, so I guess the question is, will we know who wins Pennsylvania on election night or will we have to wait till later in the week?
3: I don't think, you know, I don't want people to count on knowing the results here. Um, on election night now that doesn't mean because there's some other scenarios that we won't know who won if if there's a blue tsunami we're going to know on election night Um, it may take a few days for the votes to be counted here we do have an excellent attorney general um, who has uh, laid down the law that there will not be the voter intimidation that we saw here it was rampant in 2016. The Trump supporters were out. I had very—I talked to a lot of women who turned around at the uh, voting uh, place and left because they were so afraid of what was going on. So, um, you know, they were intimidated. They left, and um, I think that Democrats are doing a much better job this time around protecting the vote and making it. Um, You know, it's outrageous that this has been allowed. It's outrageous that it continues. And you have to ask yourself, if these people have nothing to run on and all they have is fear and intimidation, um, why are they a viable party? They shouldn't be at this point.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a a legitimate question. Uh, Our guest in this half hour is Sarah Jones, who's editor-in-chief of politicus.com. Uh, she, uh, is, um, a member of the, uh, uh, Washington, uh, she's based, where are you based in Pittsburgh? we're,
3: We're actually based in a Trump County in Indiana, Pennsylvania. It's Western Pennsylvania, about an hour west, uh, east of, of Pittsburgh.
1: Okay. We're going to break now for our radio listeners, but we'll stay tuned with Sarah Jones with our uh, TV viewers. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after these messages. And with more Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and all sorts of talk about the presidential election.
2: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
1: Welcome back Mm to our We're obviously discussing Election Day and the presidential election, which is only a day away, uh, although it seems like it'll probably be an eternity until we actually know what happened, sadly. Uh, our guest is Sarah Jones, uh, editor-in-chief of Politicus. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back and uh, let's try something else. Uh, besides the presidential race, there is a, a big battle for the U.S. Senate. Uh, I think uh, most handicappers, from what I can see, uh, believe that uh, the Democrats will end up with a majority of uh, majority control of the U.S. Senate. Uh, after the election, uh, I don't know, I don't think anybody really knows how big of a majority, uh, it will be. It seems to me there are at least a few Republicans who are probably, uh, in very bad shape. Uh, Martha McSally in Arizona, uh, Cory Gardner in Colorado, uh, Susan Collins in Maine, and there's probably at least one Democrat who is also in pretty tough shape. Uh, that uh, would be Doug Jones in Alabama. Uh, Sarah, what do you think is going to happen in the pres- in the uh, U.S. Senate?
3: Well, I think you laid it out really well. I mean, I think that it looks like it's it. it- I want to preface this also by saying that we have a lot of 2016 PTSD going on when it comes to polls and all the data um, before elections. So I. I know people are really turned off by that right now. Um, it all depends on turnout. So let's just, you know, you got to keep that in mind and everybody needs to keep voting. But it does look like Democrats are likely to win back the majority. And the, as you pointed out, question is how big will they net three seats uh, with the Biden victory, have a 50-50 split with Harris breaking the ties? Um, the best guess at the Senate when it's all is said and done. Um, including the Georgia potential runoff in Georgia, it could exactly flip from fifty three forty seven Republican to fifty three forty seven Democratic. Um, so Democrats could win as many as seven seats. And, as you pointed out, Doug Jones may be the loss there in Alabama. But um uh, Democrats have run some excellent candidates this cycle, And I think they're also going to be helped by Biden's decency and competency at the top of the ticket because when you have people who vote, you know, straight down, that's going to the only trickle down that's real possibly. <laughs> so, yep. um, yeah, I think it looks good. I, um, uh, it, it always baffles me that things are this tight when this person has been so damaging to our country and, uh, so corrupt and spending all of his time helping himself and letting Americans die from the coronavirus unnecessarily. So I don't understand that, but here we are.
1: Yeah. Well, that's you know, that's a good question. I mean, I ask it all the time, especially in the last few days. I watch and uh, listen to Trump on the campaign stump and he's behaving like an idiot. He says all these things that are completely irrational um, and untruthful. Uh, but we're still in a a real presidential race here. You know, what does it say about America that, uh, you know, Donald Trump, after an incredibly failed presidency, uh, still has a shot to win this thing?
3: I think it says that we have a lot of work to do to rebuild our democracy, and I think that it starts with, you know, our media and how we inform people about what's going on. Instead of doing this he-said-she-said thing, uh, and I think the media has done a good job. They've tried to, you know, meet this challenge. He is unprecedented challenge with his lies. But, you know, when what I'm seeing happen right now is absolutely insane. will be like, well, you know, Donald Trump said all of these like nothing. He never touched reality and he incited violence. He did any and he, and he loves some neo-Nazis. But, hey, Joe Biden had this gaffe where he said the wrong word. And these two things are often conflated. And I think that's not helping people. I mean, you have to remember most people work really long hours in this country and they come home, got to take care of their family. They don't have time to sift through all this stuff. So I think they're not getting messages that are as helpful as they could be for sure.
1: Well, let let me ask you uh, another question. Uh, This campaign, I mean, the president is obviously very desperate. Uh, and his supporters are very desperate too. let me point to a couple of things that have happened in the last couple of days that troubled me greatly. Uh, first over the weekend, there was this incident in Texas where a group of, uh, uh, Trump supporters and cars, uh, tried to run a, a Biden campaign bus, um, off the road. Um, and apparently some of these, uh, Trump supporters in these cars are armed. Uh, that that really is scary. Uh, the other thing I think is really scary is that the White House probably, as we speak, is building a new wall around the White House that is apparently impossible to scale. Um, I don't know if they have leftover materials from the border wall that they're using or whatever. Well, then it would fall over. So <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean. We seem to be on a slippery slope uh, to the end of democracy in America as we know it. Um, you know, I said this a couple of weeks on the show. I hate to use the word fascist because that has all sorts of common you know, nasty, uh, very nasty connotations. But, you know, it it seems to me that, you know, Mm. Trump and Trump supporters are doing everything they can to discredit democracy in this country. And I'm really scared, regardless of what happens on uh, Tuesday or tomorrow. Uh, You know, are we in danger in the United States? Uh, It seems to me democracy is under siege in this country like it's never been.
3: I think that's a really important question, and I, we have always um, prided ourselves on calming people down. I wish that I could do that today, and I can't because I do see, um, you know, Trump moving towards autocracy. I see him; he's a wannabe dictator. Um, he's already said that he's going to have his lawyers begin on election night to fight the results if he's not winning, and he's tricked his donors into giving these uh, giving weekly until the certification date. So you know that's going to his lawyers. Basically, he's not going to accept anything except a win, and that's not democracy. And what what he's got his his supporters doing uh, all over this country. I live in a Trump area, and I tell you, like, yes, I'm scared of you know. Uh, any fallout? There's a big uh, white supremacy uh, and you know neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan kind of grouping around here um, in the outskirts. But you know, I, w- I just want to say that I think that what Trump is doing and the way he's behaving right now is exactly why the Russians have found him to be such a goldmine uh, for destructing, uh, destroying the freedom. That used to make America great. You know, he's casting doubt on elections if he doesn't win, and uh, he wants to know everything on election night. And yet, the Republicans have pushed to not count these uh, mail in ballots until election day. So that's yeah. like the squeeze where we're just gonna, and I, and I keep seeing him mention this about throwing out uh, ballots and, and not having yeah, them. Yeah, it's pretty
1: scary. Sarah, yeah. thanks for joining us today. Our guest in this half hour has been Sarah Jones, editor-in-chief of Politicus uh, USA. Uh, Sarah's Twitter handle is Politicus Sarah. Thank you very much, Sarah. We'll be back with more Deadline DC after these messages.
2: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
1: Okay. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, in this half hour, we're going to talk about the economic aspects of the uh, of election day tomorrow. Uh, our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon, an economic advisory firm. Uh, he's also a senior fellow at the Madonna School of Business at Georgetown University. He is an internationally known economist who has advised, among others, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore, British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and then U.S. Senators Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. He was Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs in the Clinton administration. His website is www.sonicon.com, that's S-O-N-E-C-O-N.com, and his Twitter handle is Rob Shapiro. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, thanks for joining me today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon.
2: It's a Uh, pleasure,
1: Brad. Uh, During the break, uh, you were comparing uh, President Trump to a a virus just like the pandemic that has swept the nation. Could you uh, discuss that,
2: please? Yes, it's a psychological contagion. The president's basic political modus operandi is to take people with grievances that cause them anxiety and and channel their anxiety into anger. And that has now happened to the other side as well. Um, The anxiety is being transformed into fear. Um, And if uh, it appears that the election that, that votes are not being counted, it will be channeled into anger. It's a, um, uh, it is kind of the last straw in the kind of complex of civility that generally has characterized American politics. Um, You know, American politics before Trump was really a conversation between center-right and center-left at a presidential level. The basic assumptions of America's role in the world Uh, were accepted, the major distinction was on taxes and on a general view of whether the authority of the government to help people should be expanded or contracted. Um, But this was a conversation. Um, There's no longer a conversation. Now it's a fight. And over different visions of what constitutes democracy. That was never a question before Trump. And that raises the stakes. And as a consequence, um, everybody in America feels stressed right now, the day before the election. Yes,
1: uh, they do, um, including me um i'll be glad when it's all over i just hope it's over soon and it doesn't drag on for weeks right. that's my fear uh let's talk about uh, the economy uh last week uh there was mixed economic news for the president uh wall street had a very bad week uh big drop in prices uh on uh, on the stock new york stock exchange Uh, There was also a report that there'd been a pretty significant uh, growth in the gross national product in the last quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, What uh, is, do we go into this situation? Is that, you know, a net uh, plus or minus for the president going into election day, or it doesn't matter very much?
2: Well, I think it's a net negative, the economy. Uh, the fact is we did have a good quarter in the third quarter We are still below where we were in the first quarter uh, so the and you know a easy way to look at this is compare employment in February and employment in the last report we got through that is through September and the number of people employed is down by 10.7 million over today versus pre-COVID. Uh, you know, the economic issue is now hard to distinguish from the COVID issue uh, because the fate of the economy has been tied so tightly to COVID. At the same time, we seem to see the a um, kind of um, disengagement in the minds in particular of Trump followers between the economy and the president's responsibility. Because the fact is the president's core constituents uh, have suffered pretty badly um, in uh, in this period. Uh, Total employment nationally is down 7.7% it's down more than that for people without a high school diploma and virtually that for high school graduates as well. And if we look at some of the swing states, uh, the decline in employment by high school graduates is 15% in Arizona, 8% in Georgia, 14% in Michigan, 8% in North Carolina, 15% in Pennsylvania. On the other hand, it's virtually unchanged in Ohio, which may tell us why that state is not moving the way Michigan is moving. Um, Similarly, if we look at white employment, um, nationally, it's down 5%. In Arizona, it's down 8.6%. In Florida, it's down 8%. Um, In Michigan, it's down 8.4 percent. On the other hand, in Ohio, it's only down 4 percent. So there is. But look, the main picture here is that employment is down for virtually for across educational levels and across racial and and ethnic levels. So the um, Trump card for Trump of a strong economy um, is much less powerful than it was. Uh, Well, let let
1: me ask you this question. Uh, If you look at the national polls, uh, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden has an advantage over Donald Trump on handling the pandemic by anywhere 15 to 20 points. Yes. But when it comes to handling the economy, Donald Trump, uh, you know, breaks even or in some, you know, some cases then has a slight advantage. So if the economy is so bad, why are Donald Trump's numbers for handling handling the economy so good?
2: Well, I think I can tell you one is um, that his cult followers, which is probably at least half of his vote, uh, they... They will stick with Trump regardless of the news. Um, they live in a kind of echo chamber in which they hear the president say, for example, as he said in four different states over the last week, I promised to bring auto plants back, and I did in Ohio, and I did in Michigan, and I did in Pennsylvania. That's a lie. That is Simply not true, um, but because he says it, a lot of his followers believe it. In addition, it also probably has the um, state of the stock market, which is pretty, st- which has been strong throughout this period, even though it had a bad week last week. Uh, the fact is today the S and P 500 is 3,305. It's, it's high, it's pre-COVID high, was 3,373. And so he's protected the, the investor class. Well, the investor class is the top 10 to 15% of the country, virtually all of whom are college educated. And this has probably staunched his losses among college educated voters. That is, even though... He's losing college-educated voters. He would be losing them, and he he lost them in 2016. Um, He would be losing them even more if the Federal Reserve was not propping up the stock market. Okay.
1: Uh, our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, an economist. Uh, we're talking about the impact of the economy and the presidential election. Uh, we're going to go to break in a few seconds uh, to our radio listeners. Uh, but for those of you who are watching on uh, Periscope TV, uh, we're going to continue the interview. So don't go anywhere. And for our radio listeners, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with more of Dr. Dr. Robert Shapiro on Deadline DC. Welcome back to Deadline DC, Brad Panic, and welcome back, especially for our grateful listeners. Uh, we have been discussing uh, the impact of the economy on the presidential election, uh, specifically uh, what Joe Biden, how Joe Biden might attack the faltering economy if he wins the election, Tuesday. Uh, Our guest in this half hour is The Economist, Dr. Robert Shapiro. Uh, Rob, uh, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, Let's try this. Uh, Back uh, several months ago, Uh, it's been about three months uh, since uh, the pandemic uh, economic package expired. Uh, for Americans who are in dire economic shape. Uh, the House passed a bill, I believe, which called for more than $300 billion, uh, excuse me. What,
2: uh, more than $3 trillion.
1: Yeah, more than $3 trillion in economic relief. Uh, the Senate refused to do anything about the bill. Uh, if Biden, if there, you know, let's say that uh, Joe Biden does win the presidential election, and there is a Democratic Senate, and most people think there will be, um, where are we looking at an initial uh, economic pandemic relief package uh, in the same ballpark financially?
2: Yes, yes, I think you're you're looking at a three trillion dollar package, um, which will be which will include. Uh, checks to households. It will include support, payroll support for small businesses. It will include substantial assistance to states and cities who are facing uh, balanced budget requirements that would force them to lay off teachers and police and public health workers Um, uh, We're looking at assistance for hospitals and clinics. Um, So yes, I think that there is at least $3 trillion worth of stimulus that will come very quickly in a uh, Biden administration in which they control uh, both houses of Congress Uh, they can wrap it into a reconciliation package, which means it can't be filibustered in the Senate. So they don't immediately have to deal with the issue of whether or not to abolish the filibuster. Um, I would expect it would be passed before the end of January. Okay. Within 10 days of him um, being elected because it will be written and and agreed to by the Democratic caucuses in the House and the Senate before the president, the new president is inaugurated. Okay, let's talk about
1: a second step. Uh, Joe Biden has discussed during the campaign how he wants to invest in communities and infrastructure. Uh, What kind of financial package do you see coming on, uh, you know, later on after the initial uh, pandemic relief package uh, passes?
2: Well, I think the infrastructure package will be tied to the climate policy. Uh, I think they will be combined because the climate policy focuses on creating jobs uh, in part by moving to green infrastructure. Um, an efficient electric grid, for example, um, and um, uh, access to electric charges for electric cars across the highway system. I think those those two will probably be combined. I, I would guess we're talking in the range of 70 to $90 billion a year. Um, it's, um, you know, uh the first year, it's going to be easy to spend. The second year, we're going to have to begin to figure out how to pay for it.
1: Okay. And when you say it, it will be easy to spend, uh, uh, why will it be easy to spend?
2: Oh, well, there are two reasons. One is interest rates are very low. The second is um, that the economy will be slow. And, um, look, the Federal Reserve has called for more stimulus. Um, And so that because the Federal Reserve is kind of out of ammunition with respect to the macro economy, not with respect to the stock market. That's different. They can support the stock market in in other ways and they will continue to do so. Um, But it's um, uh, so. Uh, Plus, the entire global economy is depressed, and consequently, um, the United States still will attract the bulk of excess savings from Europe and Asia. Uh, It will be still seen as the most reliable economy in the world. And that means we can borrow from abroad, and what we can't borrow from abroad, the Fed is is um, prepared to create the money, which is much of what we did this year. Okay, now you
1: talked about, you know, essentially two different packages, a pandemic relief package, and then uh, an infrastructure package. Uh, You know, talking about the amount of money uh, that you've been discussing, is that enough to jump to start the economy again?
2: It it is if we get control of the pandemic. Um, If we get control of the pandemic, that will be plenty for the economy. The economy will do very well, uh, it seems to me. Um, It will not be the same economy, however. Um, You know, there are hundreds of thousands of businesses that will be destroyed, that will never come back. And that means we're going to have to look at ways to jumpstart business creation. Um, We're about to see a crisis in the commercial real estate market uh, because the mode for working is moved to teleworking. And that means much less demand for office space. Um, And they're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. That's, you know, the um, that's a that's a significant element of the financial system as well. Um, so there are seri- there will be serious problems with the economy, but the overall macro economy, how much demand will drive production of goods and services, I think uh, the economy will be fine with that.
1: Okay, uh, back in uh, 2009 when Barack Obama became president, Uh, There was an argument within the administration about the size of the package. Uh, Some of the economists in the Obama administration wanted a package that was um, higher uh, Mm -hmm. than the one that originally passed. And uh, there was basically concern uh, whether they could get the higher package passed uh, by Congress. So they opted for something lower. Uh, Do you think we're going to have that kind of argument uh, or discussion within a Biden administration?
2: I think much less. Um, You know, the the argument in the early Obama administration was not simply about how much was needed. It was also about husbanding the political capital for health care and climate. And um, an increase. Yeah, uh, going beyond what 850 billion, which was the number they finally passed, uh, to 1.2 trillion at that time, uh, was seen as a very difficult vote for Democrats from moderate districts, uh, and so they they made a political decision. It was a political decision, not an economic decision. Um, in this case. Um, Uh, I think the terrain is very different. First of all, we will have a much bigger majority in the House than we did then. Um, So some moderates can still vote for a smaller package. Um, And the sense of emergency um, is not simply an economic emergency, but because it's also a health care emergency, the... Um, the public sense that large moves are desirable, I think is much greater. Okay. Uh,
1: Dr. Shapiro, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Deadline DC tomorrow. Um, I'm sure we'll have opportunity uh, to uh, discuss economics a lot in the uh, coming months. Uh, but that's all for today for Deadline DC friends. Thanks to our guests, Sarah Jones from Politicus USA, and Dr. Robert Shapiro. I'm here Mondays after 3 p.m. if the Lord is uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing, the Creek don't rise and Trump doesn't declare <laughs> martial law. This is Brad Bannon. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay sane if you can. Don't drink the Clarks or the Kool-Aid. It didn't do the president any good, and it won't help you either. And remember, uh, vote tomorrow if you haven't already.
0: Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from, with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day.